WTOC AM, W236CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's Community Connection. Brought to you by Child Advocates. Your voice, their future. On Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM. And good afternoon and welcome to Community Connection. I'm Tina Cosby. Today is Monday, October the 23rd. Quite a bit to get to on the show today, so let's get to it, including uh, the Madam C.J. Walker Memorial Way now being officially established. Um, Our voter education contributor, Julia Vaughn, is back with us right on time with some important information you'll need to know as we count down to Election Day on November 7th. Both of those are going to be in our second hour. A little later this hour, the Shepherd Community Center has an update on how they are doing even more for the community, especially during the upcoming holiday season. We'll hear from them. But first, and first and foremost, a big thank you to Steve Scoop Jefferson. And I'm going to tell you why, so just stay with me, okay? Steve, as you know, is a multiple award-winning journalist who spent a number of years as an investigative um, reporter at WTHR before recently heading south. He take, he, as, What was that saying? I'm taking my talents to, to South Beach. Well, he, he took his talents uh, south to, uh, to work in the Dallas-Fort Worth uh, TV market in Texas, where he is making his mark um, once again. So um, that's where he is right now. But anyway. Again, stay with me. Uh, Steve was an outstanding member of the local community here in Indianapolis while he was here um, all those years and remains very much connected, so much so, uh, even though he's no longer here. um, I say all of that as a case in point. Steve still listens to our show, Community Connection, in Dallas, Fort Worth. He still listens. He told me he did. And from our conversations, I know he does. Anyway, he still cares about what happens here in Indianapolis and in a lot of ways is still very much involved. That's why when I got his text this weekend about one of his friends uh, and a dilemma, uh, an unfortunate and, and a very sad situation, a, a puzzling situation. I mean, you, there's a whole lot of adjectives you can use. But anyway, Steve sent me the text. Um, I followed up over the weekend and... Um, here, here's what we have. It's a troubling story about how and why a Beach Grove school board member who was also running to be the mayor of Beach Grove stirred controversy when he accused three 16-year-old boys of color. Uh, this is a white candidate who accused three uh, 16-year-old boys of color of shoplifting. But it gets even more complicated than that. Uh, And so much so that the parents of the boys have now filed suit. They filed a lawsuit. So um, Steve Scoop Jefferson's friend and the father of one of the boys uh, is with us right now, along with uh, the other family members who um, are joining us as well. So first... Thank you, Steve. Um, to to bring you all up to date very quickly, let's let's take a listen to this report from our news gathering partners at WRTV6. Let's take a listen. Parents of three Beach Grove boys have filed a lawsuit against a school board member saying their children were targeted and are being accused of doing something they never did. WRTV's Rachel Wilkerson spoke to the parents about the actions they are taking. Parents of three Beach Grove High School students say school board member Rick Skirvin falsely accused their boys of stealing candy from a local CVS in Walgreens on an August Saturday, then took pictures of the boys and reported it to the district. That's it's just extremely upsetting to us. If you want to take further action, again, call the police. That person took his position of being on the board and decided, hey, let me call this, let me get the school involved. 
And this is an off-the-school problem, first of all, so that's an issue. Are you the judge, jury, and are you, did you convict them then? Because you know words nowadays convict people. When asked why the police weren't called, Skirvin's attorney says it wasn't the store's policy to do that. My client's involvement in the situation begins and ends with uh, he, he saw something, a uh, clerk at a, a Walgreens or a CVS, a store like that, uh, made a comment, look, those kids just stole candy. He snapped a photograph, sent the photograph and an explanation of what he believed just happened, meaning somebody he thought had just stole candy um, and sent that to the school resource officer and the superintendent of the, of the schools. He never asked for punishment. He never asked for anything to be done. Parents of the students don't buy this explanation. Problem with the accusations, it comes down to like the history of false accusations in this country and how it impacts um, young men, in particular young men of color. On October 9th, the parents along with attorney Joe Williams filed a lawsuit for defamation. We have worked for two months to get an apology, some type of accountability for our children. We've taken all the right steps. We've talked to the school. We met with the superintendent. We've now been at two different board meetings and unfortunately have not received any type of response or resolution or the apology that our boys deserve. I am really sad. Um, I'm upset about the whole situation. I think about it every single day. It's been difficult. It's been emotional. We've had to have a lot of difficult conversations with our children that you don't want to have. Rachel Wilkerson, WRTV. And so uh, that lays the groundwork. Let's let, again, like I was saying, let, let's get right to it. And we have uh, we have with us uh, uh, Scoop's friend, Steve Scoop's friend, uh, Pete Lee. And uh, Mr. Lee, first of all, thank you so much for being with us. But you you brought uh, you brought some folks with you, uh, your attorney, uh, two other family members. So can you can you introduce everyone who's here with us right now so that our listeners can know who's with us? Yes, uh, we have Ms. Herring and her husband on the phone. We have Karan, Ms. Lockwood, the other parent to mm -hmm. the other son. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also have uh, Attorney Joe Williams on the phone. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Uh, Attorney Williams, uh, Karan, Ms. Karan, and, and the Herons, uh, the, the parents of, of and, and we're not going to put the boys' names out here. We're just, uh, you know, we're just. Uh, but so, so here's a question. What, what? I mean, when you know, the first thing you think of when you hear this story and the and the details of it, the first question is, what are we talking about here? You know, um, see, that's the situation. Uh, if you don't mind, first thing I want to address is they said this was a political hit job. We don't know this guy. Never met him in our life. Mm -hmm. Didn't even know he was a board member till we got a meeting with the superintendent, the police lieutenant, and. Um, <clears throat> I mean, and that's when we knew he was on the board. Mm -hmm. Better yet, knowing he was a mayor. So we just want to spell that right out. This is not a political hit job. I don't even live at Beach Grove, so I can care less if he's the mayor or not. So you're saying but, your lawsuit has been uh, termed a political hit job? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what his lawyer said. Uh, you know, he's a yeah. talker just like he is. Yeah, not that not uh, that the accusations were not a political, uh, you know, feather, you know, putting a political feather in your cap. Not that those accusations weren't political as well. I mean, you can look at both sides of that one, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, first of all, our kids are outstanding young men. Mm -hmm. um, they've never even been called in for any any. Uh, problems at school. Um, my particular son is one that's uh, 
been very look, been looked at. He's one of the top in the country uh, as a running back. Um, also, uh, we've been visiting different colleges. So anything that somebody says or do which is not right and is negative, it could affect any outcome that we don't even Absolutely. know about. Somebody, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Heron and and Karan, what 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 is your take on all of this? How how do you see? And I'll start with you, Karan. Go ahead, Karan. I'll start with you. Um. So, just you know, just to piggyback uh, with what Pete said, um, we knew nothing about um, uh, Mr. Skirvin's position on a board or you know running for mayor. We knew nothing about that. Uh, we just were made aware of what accused what we were our kids were being accused of by our coaches and um they you know absolutely did say uh we have nothing to worry about um they're not in any trouble but we wanted to bring it to your attention what has been brought to their attention and um and then from that point is when we reached out to the superintendent and the lieutenant to uh, request a meeting so that we can find out, you know, and discuss this uh, situation further. And at that point, uh, we discussed what we wanted to happen um, as far as a public and and a written apology, and we didn't get that. And so we started to attend the board meetings. Um, And at those times, you know, we spoke about how we felt about the situation and what we wanted to happen um, as a result of all of this that has taken place. Um, didn't hear anything uh, for a couple of weeks. We sent following mm-hmm. emails mm-hmm. to find out uh, what was going to happen, and then again, nothing. So we did attend the other board meeting October the 4th, and again, gave our statements on the situation, what we would like to happen, and then again, nothing. And so then that is when we did seek um our attorney mm-hmm. uh, to move forward. So, um, but it, it <laughs> I think about it every single day. Uh, it's every single day. Uh, yeah. What, what did the pictures? Yeah. What did these pictures show? I mean, they're taking pictures yeah, they, of the boy. What did these I mean, pictures show? Riding on a bike. It shows them riding on a bike. It has um, no candy. They, they didn't. They didn't steal candy. Have never stolen candy. I mean, it's never been established that these children did what they were accused of doing. Correct. That is correct. So CVS didn't, I mean, uh, we, we can fast forward because the two drug stores, two stores were involved, but CVS and Walgreens. Correct. CVS did not uh, file a report or a shoplifting report, correct? That is correct. Walgreens did not file a shoplifting report, correct? That is correct. The police have not opened an investigation, a shoplifting investigation, correct? That is correct. And they will not be, uh, to the best of my knowledge, opening up an investigation. That is correct. So, uh, the uh, Mr. Williams, what's the what are the legal implications here, and why did this go to the school board, and not to I don't know security at CVS or security uh, at Walgreens or even uh, the police department, the Beach Grove Police Department? It makes no sense to send this to the school board. You know, we agree. And that's part of the reason um, that we've started to dig and part of the reason that we filed this lawsuit. Um, one, to get accountability in, uh, for Mr. Skirvin and what he said. Two, to let people in this community know that we're not going to stand for the type of behavior that we saw. But most troubling and where we don't have any answers is why he sent it 
to folks at the school. Exactly. Um, and that's one of the things that we're going to find out uh, through this lawsuit. And again, Ricky Skirvin, or Rick Skirvin, is the name of the, uh, the, the, the person involved here. Uh, and his attorney did speak on his behalf in that story we just heard uh, from RTV6, but it, it seemed like a lot of doublespeak to me and did not get to the, to the core, to the essence of what seems to be the situation here. Um, and he is you know, a school board member and is currently running for mayor. Um, and I, 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 well, we haven't heard from the Herons. Uh, please go ahead. And I've, I've got more. I've got a ton of questions here because it's just not adding up. But go, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think our biggest concern is if you're a public official who truly cares about the the welfare and the well-being of our children and you um, think you witnessed something or you heard a cashier say something, mm-hmm. there were a lot of other options and things he could have done, um, including simply speaking to our boys, um, other than you know following them, taking pictures of them, riding bikes, and sending them to the superintendent, basically falsely accusing them um, of a crime. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really our biggest concern is that um, you're someone who's supposed to be watching out for our mm-hmm. children, not um, accusing them of things that they did not do. And just obviously just very disturbing that anyone would um, take pictures of, of three boys in two different locations. Um, it's yeah. Very <laughs> yeah, three the pictures were taken. And my, my understanding, did he take them or did his wife take them and give them to him? We believe I think we're not fiance or wife took them and that's the most disturbing part is for them to say this is political we actually tried to reach out to her when we found out that it was them before we even Mm -hmm. went to any other level and never heard anything back and Mm -hmm. so it's not as if we didn't try to solve this other way you know right you you worked the process you did everything it sounds like you did i mean talking to them directly going to meetings requesting meetings doing everything that you could possibly so so yeah i'm sorry but anyway go ahead mr lee i'm sorry go ahead Oh, no, that, uh, this is Mr. Heron. And I was just, oh, Mr. Was, Heron. I'm sorry. I thought that was Mr. Lee. Oh, you're good. You're good. We oh. had tried to reach out um, because all we wanted to know is why and to help him understand that that's not the proper way to do things. You know, don't take pictures of anybody's children, first of all, but then don't use your power as a board member mm-hmm. to send them to the school to try and get disciplinary action when you don't have facts. Um, that's an abuse of power, mm-hmm. which is now concerning, you know, if you're going to become a mayor, potentially. Um, and so we really just wanted in the beginning to get his attention and say, hey, what happened? Let's talk about this so you can learn something from it and so we could clear our, our, our children's names. And that just never happened. So this is now the only way to actually get his attention to hopefully just bring to his attention and anybody else who thinks the same way that mm-hmm. what you did was wrong and really it could have been solved if you would have just acknowledged it and apologized. Yeah, because these young men's uh, futures are at stake. And, I mean, this is a, 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 a white board member of power accusing three upstanding uh, young African-American men who have a, males who have a, a, a whole future ahead of them. And when you're in athletics and when you're going to college and things of that nature, if something like this shows up, you know, that, that could hamper their ability to, you know, to achieve success in whatever areas they want so i i understand that an apology uh is 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 extremely necessary in a situation like this but attorney williams what else uh could be accomplished uh by filing this lawsuit that would give relief to the boys and the family well 
as you said, I think the most important thing is getting these, getting a public statement made that these boys did not do anything wrong and that they were victimized by what Mr. Skirvin did. But we're also seeking money damages for the hit to the reputations of these three young men. When you accuse another person of a crime in Indiana and you do so without any basis, you commit what's known as defamation per se. And the law allows these three young men to recover for any reputational damage that they suffered as a, you know, as a result of Mr. Spearman accusing them falsely of, uh, of shoplifting. Mm. So when, when was the lawsuit filed? The lawsuit was filed uh, October 9th. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what's the late? What are we hearing uh, as a result? I mean, what comes next now that the lawsuit has been filed? And how are the boys? How are all of them doing? I mean, they're all in school, right? Back to their regular activities. Or have they suffered any consequences as a result of these accusations? Other than the ones that we we know that we're talking about, how how are they being treated? Yeah, I'd like to defer that question to to their parents. Okay. Uh, who, who yeah, I absolutely. Answer that probably much better. I'll answer. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll answer that. Okay. Um, our kids have been questioned a lot, you know, and it, it's not really a good thing because this is how things can get out. Mm-hmm. Some people question it to be nosy, but some people question because they might say, oh, I knew something was wrong with them, mm-hmm. you know. But they are questioned, but we teach our kids. This is the conversation the parents referred to earlier. We have to teach them not to retaliate, not to say anything about it, to uh, refer everything. Do not even talk about it. Even teachers have spoken to them about it, but you don't know what opinion people uh, you know, develop. Because if you look at it, it's a lot of people that don't like what he did, but it's always a couple that always, well, he didn't do anything wrong, so they would look and say, well, these kids probably did steal something. You know, why would it be this serious? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they have been affected because they should have never been exposed no. to any of this situation. None of this. They were totally innocent children, and now they have to think about racism or whatever you want to call it at its best to be falsely accused. Let's not even call it racism. Let's just say to be done wrong. Yeah. And it may, again, it makes no sense, you know, to to the naked eye looking at all of the everything that's, that has been reported about it. But what, what sticks out the most to me um, is that Walgreens, CVS or the Beach Grove Police Department, none of those entities have uh, either filed charges or even so much as opened an investigation into any wrongdoing. Well, I, I with them because I, I know them. I've been knowing them over almost 17 years. I go in, I know every mm-hmm. manager in both places. They know me personally, and one of them know my son. Yeah. And they would, I know one thing is being an ex federal police officer and a police officer, people remember when something goes wrong. Like somebody stole $2 out of my store, $2 bag. My son remembers that incident, which was a couple of months ago. You don't forget something like that. And they remember a kid that actually stole alcohol out of the store. And I had a conversation with him, and they're like, no, no, nothing like that ever happened. And he better not use this as a scapegoat. That's what was told to me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, it just, it really, like like uh, Pete was saying, that uh, they questioned the kids what they, they did, even a couple of days after we were um, informed by the um, coaches, mm-hmm. um, the kids were saying, out loud in class, hey, I heard what happened. Is it true that that, that lady was videotaping you? You know, saying things like that in the same classroom mm. where her kids are actually in that class. Mm-hmm. So what he has done, the little they know, you, you guys are, they, they put them in a very um, 
uncomfortable situation. They go to school with her kids. Her kids were on the football team. You know, different things. Like, you know, it's so I'm telling them, you know, like be be careful because. You know, don't don't set your book bag down. You know, I don't know if somebody's gonna try to put something in. Like, I don't even know. I'm just thinking because people can be mean. You know, I don't yeah. know what you're going to do. Yeah. At the end of the day, that is their their mother mm-hmm. and their stepdad or to be whatever have you. And I don't know what they're gonna do. You know, just trying to make them. You know, just be cognizant of your area. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to. You know, give people an explanation. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do any of that. These kids were like, mm-hmm. just pull the tapes and let it be over. Let them know what's going on. And they still question like, why would they even do this? Like, well, surely, guys did. Yeah, sure. Did this. Surely, if there was something there out of the three, somebody would have had something uh, to say. So it, it, you know, it just. It, it makes sense that the boys did absolutely nothing. It doesn't make sense that this lawsuit is being called a political hit job because there's no the politics involved, if any, would be on the other side, I would think, because that absolutely. particular person is a, a, a declared candidate for public office. Politics is irrelevant. Okay. Politics has nothing to do with wanting to... No, no, no. I, I, I would agree. I would agree. Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying lo- the logic would dictate that that, you know, as far as that accusation of political hit job on the part of you and your clients, uh, Mr. Williams, it doesn't it doesn't add up. But right. be that as it may, this is not about politics. This is about another issue. And so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, all, no. all I was going to say was this only became public because of choices that he and his wife made. That's why this became public. It didn't become ah. public. Be- it, it, it starts and stops with the decisions they made and the decision to take this to the school board. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, to the uh, to the SRO and to the superintendent. You mm. know, if none of that happens, then none of this none of this comes out. None of this is public. And they never explained why they chose that route as opposed to what would be a normal route if you see a citizen or whoever. Uh, breaking the law that there was no there's been no explanation for that at all none none that we've heard well um i'm sorry go ahead somebody was speaking go ahead i was saying um another thing i just want to address they said they're going to get right to the bottom of it we've been waiting Mm-hmm. But we know that they personally filed an extension because they don't want it to come out during this campaign. So mm-hmm. we just want to let people know that they're always lying about something, never telling the truth. And if you can treat two, I mean, three uh, young black African-American boys, you do this to anybody's kid. Yeah. Politics always need to be known that there's a dirty situation. And if some people have no integrity, so would their cabinet. Yeah. would have no integrity because it comes from top down. It does, indeed. Well, again, um, uh, please keep us posted on on the you know on the developments and and you know we'll we'll keep uh, keep track of this as well. Uh, I applaud all of you for standing up for your children and and fighting correctly. I I, I mean I'm no uh, I'm no expert, but the, this this is the only you're, you're right. It seems like this is the only option, and you're doing the right thing. And so you have you certainly have our support. And I, I again I thank Steve Jefferson, um, Mr. Lee, for. Um, bringing this to, to our attention. Um, it's, uh, wow. Um, oh, we appreciate you. Yeah, Mr. Um, Emotech, um, he had 
reached out to a couple times to uh, Cameron, and I I listen to the community. I, I listen to it uh, every every Sunday. Oh, okay, um, Cameron show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, Tat had reached out to him and emailed him a few times, and then he was on the radio again yesterday and brought it up to mm-hmm. him that he reached out and mentioned my name. And, you know, we needed to get this out there so that mm-hmm. people will know what's going on. They will know the facts and um, you know, and understand that this this shouldn't happen to anyone, not only our kids, but, but no one. I don't care what color you are. It just should not happen. But no, not at all. Just, yeah, we have to be an advocate for our kids, mm-hmm. um, and, we, and that is what we are going to do and we're doing. Well, thank you for what you're doing. Hang in there. And like I said, by all means, keep us posted, um, and, and we'll uh, we'll keep track of it as well. Thank you for sharing with us today, and good luck to you. It is our pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for bringing us on. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it. All righty, and we'll be back with more Community Connection right after this. Back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station. And we're back with Community Connection. And again, um, thanks to uh, Steve Scoop Jefferson. Scoop, keep listening. We love it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and, and good luck to those families because uh, no children should be victimized like that at all. At all. So, um, you know, let's hope that they have a good outcome to their um, action that they're taking to stand up uh, to what was obviously something done very wrong to their children. We'll keep you posted. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with our promotions manager, David Gray, promotions director, not manager, promotions director. And uh, we were just talking about, you know, a regular food and meal uh, distribution. And David was saying how uh, this time it had to be shut down really almost before as it got started, it had to be shut down because they're just so there. What what I guess the point I'm making is there's been an increased need and such an expressed need that is growing with each passing day. Um, and as we head into the holiday season of giving and, you know, where people's money is asked to be stretched a lot further than it normally is and so on and so forth, so forth, it's, it's just uh, I, I think it's more important than ever to let everyone know about all of the options that are available uh, for the community, including uh, the one we're getting ready to talk about right now. Here with us right now from the Shepherd Community Center is Colton Williford. Uh, he is the Director of Development at the Shepherd Community Center. Um, Colton, welcome to Community Connection. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today? I'm doing fine. You are the second, only the second person I've ever come in contact with with the name Colton. Uh, well, actually, you know what? In contact with, uh, meaning over the, of course, over the phone, we haven't met in person. But I believe one of the old soap operas, one of the old soap operas, I can't remember which one, uh, had a character named Colton. But uh, the other thing was there was a person I went to school with, and I said, "That's a that's a very unique name, Colton." So I, I bet you couldn't guess how I got named Colton. How did you get named Colton? From the soap opera. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're, you're the first person to ever put that connection together. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, what was it? Your mom, your dad, your aunt? I mean, who named you? My, my mother named me. So she was. I think she was watching that soap opera at the time. But she, 
you know, uh, my name is spelled with a K, so it's a little bit different than some of the other yeah. the other cultures out there. So C, it makes it a little C. bit unique, I guess. Yeah, it makes it your own. It makes it your own. So, well, anyway, welcome, uh, Colton, to to the show. Glad to have you with us. Um, you know, as I was saying, uh, we it was kind of an eye eyebrow raising um, response uh, a couple of weeks ago to something that we weren't really expecting this soon. Um, is that your experience as well as as you all prepare for the upcoming holiday season? and things of that nature over at the Shepherd Community Center? Yeah, we are. Um, the response needed is huge. We we are uh, kind of beefing up our efforts, uh, no pun intended there, on oh. getting um, food out to our neighbors. Uh-huh. Um, so, the, you know, with these different food distributions we do, we do a, 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 a every other week we do a food distribution here in the parking lot. Uh-huh. We also, we deliver over 250 meals to neighbors throughout the week, and a lot of those neighbors are elderly or shut-in neighbors. And so, you know, a big part of that, of delivering that food to those neighbors is, hey, it, it meets the needs, but it also allows us to build relationships with those neighbors Absolutely. and get them back into the programs we have at Shepherd, and so um, through you know obviously meeting a huge need with food, but the, the bigger part there is building a relationship and figuring out what's causing the need. Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it finances? Is it is it lack of um, transportation? What what is the root issue of, of getting of being unable to secure this food, and how can we help um, make that a security for you? Is anything emerging as a possible emerging as a possible reason or cause uh, at this point, or is is it a, a, a number? You know, multiple reasons. What what do you multiple, think, or what are you taking a look reasons. at? Yeah, yeah, multiple reasons. I, you know, I think um, transportation is huge. Um, Shepherd being, um, you know, there's there's not a lot of grocery stores in Shepherd's neighborhood. And, yeah, and um, can you let everybody know the neighborhood we're talking? I'm sorry, I just started yeah, so talking. Shepherd serves on the near east side, primarily the four six two zero one and uh-huh. the four six two zero three zip codes. And so transportation, um, lack of, you know, finances is a big one. I mean, talking to a lot of neighbors that we're um, building relationships with or already in relationship with is, hey, we're, we're making a choice in between do we get laundry detergent, um, you know, yeah. or do we get toilet paper? Do we have enough money to get the protein that we need? Oh, yeah. So, it, you know, a lot of our neighbors are facing that issue. And then having new neighbors coming from more, you know, maybe um, who, who weren't having this issue because of, you know, how inflation is impacting mm-hmm. the amount of money, you know, we can spend on groceries. And, and so having some new neighbors come in and say, hey, we, you know, we need help to make ends meet, whether it be eggs or milk or fresh fruit and vegetables. Um, and so it, it really takes a lot of partners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether that be, you know, us partnering with Gleaners, us partnering with Tyson Foods, Midwest Food Bank, and, and many more um, to get this food out to our neighbors. Um, and then it takes uh, a, a lot of volunteers to yeah. come and distribute this food on a weekly basis as well. So, so how are you doing on volunteerism? Yeah, volunteerism, we're doing great. We'd love to get, um, we'd love to get your listeners engaged as best as possible. Um, and I can, if you want me to, I can provide a, a link that they could go to if they're interested in volunteering. Absolutely, absolutely. You know yeah. what, we, we have, we have wonderful listeners and they, they love to help, uh, when they can. And so by all means, yes, if you have it, uh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. if they want to go to Shepherd Community, that's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D, shepherdcommunity.org, backslash serve, backslash volunteer, and then another backslash Backslash. It'll take you to our volunteer page, and if you click the volunteer button on that page, it'll take you to a list of different volunteer opportunities in terms of food distribution that we have mm-hmm. um, in the coming month, and then, then moving into 24 as well. So, what what do we have? Uh, how are we gonna? Or how is Shepherd Center? How are we gonna close out the uh, the year? How are we gonna close out 2023? What can can people look forward to? 
in addition to being able to volunteer, I'm sorry, in addition to being able to volunteer, people can always um, people can always give. They can always go to our website at shepherdcommunity.org to see what we're doing in the community and how we're making an impact. Um, we're going I think you know a lot of exciting things coming up with our our annual Christmas store. Um, and so that's where um, families can come in. They sign up to shop for Christmas so that they're able to, you know, provide their families Christmas. Um, we get all of those toys donated from um, individuals, businesses, churches um, to, to make that a possibility. And last year we served over 1,000 families through that. So 1,000 families were able to have Christmas because of the many wonderful donations and, and volunteers that, that were able to come and serve. So they went, oh, really? So it's, it's yep. called the annual Christmas store. and. Yep. Families uh, in in the neighborhood just get to come to the center and shop for Christmas for their families. Yeah, they can register. Um, they can register by calling in three one seven three seven five zero two zero three. We we try we try to get the families that are in the neighborhood um, that we're serving, but we do reach out to other um, other nonprofits and other partners to open that up as soon as um, we have as many of those slots filled. And so um, they can go to and, and anyone who would like to give or to participate by volunteering can go to shepherdcommunity.org backslash caring at Christmas backslash. And you can sign up to to uh, learn more about the opportunities and how they can serve. Uh, but you don't you don't have to come in and serve on site. You can you can do a collection at your place of business, or you can you can buy a gift on Amazon and send it to us. Um, and then that that Christmas store will be December twentieth, twenty first, and twenty second this year. And so um, we'll have hour long slots people can sign up to volunteer for. Um, and uh, I think it's I honestly think it's just a great way for our for our neighbors to come together with our volunteers to build relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, our staff will be there, obviously, um, as well. And just, it, it's an awesome time. It's a really, really high place. People are helping neighbors shop. People are helping neighbors wrap the gifts so that they can take them home. And then just sitting there and having a conversation with them, being able to pray with them um, and ha- have, a, have a, you know, a cup of coffee or hot chocolate with them, I think is always great. Yeah. So the, the, the actual shop, the, the actual shopping, I guess, for the annual Christmas shop, uh, Christmas store, I'm sorry, for the annual Christmas store, December 20th, 21st, and 22nd. That's when the families get to go shop? Yep. So we'll take our community center, and I, I'm not sure if you've been here before, Tina, but... It's we'll, been, it's, I, I have, it's, but yep. I think there have been some changes since I was last there. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, we're always growing, and so we're always, you know, adding right. and, and right. changing things. But um, we're, we're going to take our community center and we turn it into uh, essentially a big Christmas store, you know, separate the rooms by age groups where people can come in and shop. So mm-hmm. it's it's really, really cool, and I love how the volunteers kind of come in and set up the different rooms for the different age groups. Um, it it kind of takes a, I don't I don't have that creative side of my brain going, but um, <laughs> some volunteers do, so it's really fun to watch that. I think I think that side of my brain is permanently on vacation because I never have the cre- I never have the creative. I depend. I, I do have another side of my brain that knows it's better to ask somebody that has a, a gift in that area than than you, exactly. Doctor Self Tina. Um, so, uh, so in terms of of uh, you know the the number of people served each year and 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 the programming that's available because I believe the last time uh, there was some educational programming uh, some uh, some workshops and things I believe I can't recall exactly what they were but anyway but but, but the bottom line is or the, the point being is that it's it's a full uh, you know full service multi service community center uh, yeah. there at Shepherd I mean it's not just you know, and there's not nothing wrong with being able to provide things that people need, but it also provides sustainability, uh, long-term helps provide long-term solutions for folks so that they can, uh, you know, get a better chance at a job and do things um, that'll help them to stay, uh, you know, to stay solvent, so to speak. 
Absolutely. You know, we're, we, we really um, work cradle to career with our neighbors. Um, and so, you know, we've got a lot of people don't know that we have an academy that's uh, K-4 through 5th grade here. We also have a neighborhood child care center, which mm. is um, just around the corner from Shepherd called Mini Hartman Neighborhood Child Care. Mm. And um, we serve all the way from six-week-old kids, and we do before and after school care with up to 12-year-old kids there as well. And so Shepherd's got about 100 people on staff, and, and we're really working all right, we, we talk a lot about on staff here, it takes eight to ten positive relationships to break the cycle of poverty. And so wow. I may be one of those relationships. Tina, you may be one of those relationships. They might be, you know, one of the teachers of those relationships, right? And so I look back on my life and I look at those eight to ten people who really positively formed and shaped my life. And I go, yeah, you're not wrong. You know, you're not wrong about what we, we're not wrong about what we're saying. So with, you know, with the different programs that we have between education, food access, physical, mental health, mm-hmm. housing, jobs, and, and connectivity, um, it, it takes a lot of people to be yeah. pouring into, into, you know, others' lives. And I, and I find that in my own life, too. I still have those 8 to 10, you know, sometimes more, sometimes less positive relationships in my life that are, that are coming alongside of me. But that's really the goal is to build those deep, sustainable relationships so that we can go from cradle, right, with Project Jordan, working to the zero to three-year-old fam- um, moms and kids, mm-hmm. moving them into our academy. Um, and then from our academy, after they graduate fifth grade, or we're busing them to their, you know, their next school if it's one of our partner schools. And then um, our E2E, our education to employment, that is giving our middle school, high school kids an immersive experience in, in a trade, um, in, a, in, a, in a college school setting. So we're going on college visits, you know, um, talking wow. to our students, you know, about military options, right, wow. and about trade schools. I think it's the trades are getting brought back up more and more because I think we forgot about that a little bit as a society. But that's, that's a real opportunity for some of our kids to go in um, and, you know, have, have schooling paid for um, and then be able to jump right into a career um, after a few years of being an apprentice and then, you know, make an, make an actual living wage. Wow, that's great. I want to circle back to, and it seems like we've had this topic uh, just about every day for the last couple of weeks, food access. Yep. Uh, wh- how would you describe food access in uh, within the Shepherd Community Center service area? Yeah, I would I would say that it's um, it's it's minimal, right? And we're, we're trying to work with the grocery stores that are that are near us. Um, you know, we've got we've got a Save a Lot that's local. We've got a couple Kroger's that are local. But the, the you know with it being you know what they classify they they call it a food desert. Um, but they you know the the other thing is the the transportation. And I think East Washington, where we're right off of East Washington, is becoming one of the the main bus lines, the blue line I think that they're building here in Indy. And um, and so I think that'll be a big help. But I think the transportation of you know you got to hop on a bus you know to get to downtown and then from downtown to get back up to where the Kroger is um, and they, they limit the amount of bags of groceries you can have on the bus with you mm-hmm. and so and then if you've got dairy or items that need to be refrigerated it, it can also cause you know an issue if you're on the bus for too long right mm-hmm. you don't have those, those mm-hmm. items back refrigerated and so I think with the amount of neighbors that we have come you know we did a food distribution last Friday and had quite a few neighbors walk um, and so we're able to, at times when we can get those donations in, provide carts for those neighbors mm-hmm. um, so that they don't have to carry those food boxes back home to where they live that maybe, you know, a mile or more walk. Um, I think the, you know, the other thing, too, is we have our food pantry that has, um, that serves over 100 families each week. Um, and then, you know, with trying to meet that need, we're doing um, with our kids, you know, especially when they're, when they're out of school, um, when they're in school, obviously meals are being provided. For some of them, it's, it's hard. Meals may not be provided at home, and so that you know a lot of families rely on school to provide those meals. And so we send home weekend food packs with our kids each weekend to help supplement those meals they miss because they're out of school. 
Yeah, indeed. So um, busy time, I guess, in, in short, uh, a very busy yeah. time. I mean, I, I don't know when there's never a busy time, but I mean, right now, especially, it's getting ready to be a whole lot busier. So, wow. Yeah, uh, wow. It, it definitely is. And, and it, you know, we, we end up having a lot of programs around the, the holidays with, with Thanksgiving. We do, you know, we're going we're gonna to distribute over 500 Thanksgiving food boxes this year. Um, we're going to distribute over 500 Christmas food boxes this year so families can get together and have a meal on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And there'll, be a, there'll be a voucher in there for them to get a meat of their choice at, at a local grocery store. But, um, you know, just, again, providing that meal, but also saying, hey, here's a time for you guys to be in community as a family as well. It's very important to us. And a lot of times we'll have staff members deliver those meals and, and sometimes sit down and have those meals with those families and to, to further strengthen that relationship mm-hmm. and that bond. So the center won't be open on Thanksgiving Day, though, correct? We we will be open because we do we do a meal here at the center. Oh, you do, okay? So you do a meal there as well. So in addition to giving away uh, boxes and providing families with uh, you know food boxes and a voucher for their, their choice of a meat to have a, a, a holiday meal at home, you're going yep. to be serving a meal there as well. There'll be a meal here, and we partner with Moselle Sanders to provide. Oh, Moselle Sanders. Okay, okay, okay. Yep. 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 We're going to be doing the Moselle Sanders thing as well. So we we do a, a fundraiser every year for that. Uh, it's amazing yeah, it, it, the outreach it, it, that it they have No, no. And and like I said, the outreach um, of that uh, that holiday uh, tradition uh, is is just uh, it boggles the mind uh, because I, I tell this story quite often, Colton, that um, when I first moved here uh, in the 80s, when I first moved to Indianapolis, um, I met Moselle Sanders. In fact, I didn't know anything about him or whatever. The assignment editor just sent me uh, over to Mount Vernon and said, uh, you know, go over and talk to Moselle Sanders. He's got a dinner that he does. And I'm like, who's that? <laughs> Yeah. So, so I went, you know, and it was, he was a fascinating man. And uh, he was in the basement of his church deboning turkeys. Wow. I mean, there were, yeah, and he was, uh, and he was physically putting um, meals in the hands of people uh, who really needed it. So it's, the somebody with a spirit like that, uh, it's, it's not hard to see how it would continue. Um, it just, it's just so heartwarming to see how much it's grown. It, you know, it's not hard to see that it would continue, but the fact that it's grown to where it is now. But no, he did it himself. He cooked the turkey, uh, deboned it, um, and helped put the meals together and actually serve the meal. So you talk about a, a one-man band. He did it. That's amazing. He, yeah, it is amazing. So it's good to see. But but that's good that you have the... Uh, so you will be open on Thanksgiving Day for the Moselle Sanders meal. So Yeah, I believe we're, we're 8 to eight to 10.30 that morning. I think families can come in and get the and get the meal. Oh, okay. Okay, fantastic. Yep. Anything else we forgot about, Colton? I mean, I, I, boy, I don't know how you get it all in, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I think um, just if anyone's looking to... Um, get more involved on a you know a weekly monthly basis mm-hmm. at Shepherd. We, we've got some different opportunities if they'd like to come in and help with our. We've got an after school program here, so as soon as Academy lets out, we've got after school here, and then we have a program embedded in IPS School 58 off in New York and Linwood, mm-hmm. where we're serving um, we're serving those kids you know those elementary age uh, school elementary age kids in an after school program, providing a meal for them, but also there's times for them to come together to do clubs, do homework help, um, and so. With that, we, we definitely are looking for volunteers that are interested in coming and doing some homework help with the elementary students. Mm-hmm. Um, again, part of that is, is sitting down, working with them on their homework. But then again, you know, again, back to that relationship building, right? Um, being a role model in those kids' lives, I think, is super important. And so that's, uh, that's a volunteer opportunity that they could do. Um, that's Monday through Thursday from 3 to 4.30. And then with our um, 
we've got our middle school, high school kids. I was talking about the E2E Education to Employment Program. Um, we've got some different volunteer opportunities there every Monday. Um, and then Tuesday, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. And so um, if you go to that um, that site I said earlier, shepherdcommunity.org backslash serve backslash volunteer and click the volunteer link, it'll take you to those opportunities. And then one last thing is we've got the um, fall festival coming up where we do a trunk or treat in our parking lot oh. on October 31st. And so anyone who would like to come decorate a trunk, um, pass out candy. We're going to have games there for kids. We're going to have food for kids. Um, so come, come dressed up, decorate your trunk, um, bring some candy. Um, and that is October 31st from 5:30 to 8. Again, you can go to that volunteer link um, to sign up for that. Uh, we, we ask everyone that's going to come to that to sign up for the volunteer link. Um, that way, give you some instruction and direction on, on times to show up and things like that. But um, but yeah, those are those are some of the big happenings around Shepherd and ways that we're engaging the community to to build a better relationships and to help break cycle of poverty. Indeed. And so the address for the trunk or treat for those who may yeah. not know. Great question. Yeah. So we're at forty one oh seven East Washington Street. Mm-hmm. Um, in the force in East Washington, Indianapolis, four six two zero one. And so we pull in. We've got kind of a long driveway, so don't let that scare you. See the big shepherd sign off the wall <laughs> in between in between Emerson and Sherman there on East Washington, uh-huh. on the south side of the road, and um, just come on down that drive and and join us and helping come alongside our neighbors. Indeed. Colton, thank you so much. A lot of good information there, and we have the website down. It's on our website as we speak. So, hey, thanks, and uh, we'll be talking with you all again. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Appreciate you too, indeed. And again, that was uh, Colton Williford. He is the Director of Development at the Shepherd Community Center. Got a lot coming up, a lot going on. I love the Christmas store um, where families get to shop for three days, three days, December 20th, 21st, and 22nd. So Shepherd Center, uh, as as do more, most of these community centers are serving their their communities well. So um, really, really... um, Appreciate them coming on and sharing with us, and hopefully uh, if you live out that way or even if you don't, uh, you can take advantage of some of the services uh, that are being offered out there at Shepherd. So thank you, Shepherd, for being here and sharing that with us. Uh, in, in just a few, um, you know, we've been talking about politics a lot, uh, and we're going to be talking about it a lot more because guess what? The election is coming up Tuesday. Uh, November the 7th, um, our uh, voter education contributor, Julia Vaughn, she's the executive director of Common Cause Indiana. She's going to sit in with us uh, starting on the regular now until Election Day and maybe a, a, a week or two beyond, uh, letting you know about things that you want, that you need to know about, uh, important deadlines, important information, helplines, and things of that nature. So she's coming uh, in on with us coming on she's not coming in but she's coming on with us uh very shortly um also want to remind everyone um just in case you haven't heard i was uh, th- this is a conversation i just had uh this morning as a matter of fact on my way in uh to work i was talking to some folks and they were making note of the growing i was actually i was in walmart okay i'll tell you i was in walmart um <laughs> Uh, I had to drop my uh, grandson off at daycare, uh, and he goes early, and so then I do a couple of errands on the days that I have to take him. Um, 
and went to Walmart. Anyway, long story short, uh, got into a conversation because um, uh, a friend of mine that I saw and I were just standing there talking, and uh, he was making note of the fact that you're seeing a growing number of masks uh, in stores and places of business and just public places uh, lately. And I said, you know what? I hadn't thought about it. And so he said, well, look around. And I'm like, you know what? You're making a good point. So um, uh, a lot more people are masking. Um, it's the season. It's fall and it's flu and cold and COVID season. So please, everyone, continue to be vigilant. I, I keep my mask on me. Uh, by the way, I had mine on this morning too. Uh, I keep mine. I keep one everywhere uh, that I go. There, I don't. There's not a turn that I make that I don't have a mask with me. So you never know. Um, you know, there are times, very few, but there are times when I I slip and. But then as soon as I get into the place, I realize I've had the mask uh, not with me. Anyway, uh, as far as as COVID, just just we just have to be careful. It's the season. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing is, uh, if you want to test and make sure. Uh, that you, you either have it or don't have it, um, those free test kits are still available. The free COVID test kits are still available uh, from the government um, to the general public. Uh, if you just go online at covid.gov slash test, T-E-S-T-S, plural, T-E-S-T-S, uh, and take about maybe 25. I always say less than 30 seconds. I did time myself. Uh, but it's less than 30 seconds if you go on that website, put your name in there and say, yes, I would like to request uh, my free COVID test kits, my free uh, in-home COVID test kits. Uh, one will be shipped out to you shortly. Um, I will check and see how much longer that's going to be. But uh, it's a good service. And I did see uh, that these test kits, they used to be about 20 bucks. They've now gone down to about 15, but that's still expensive when you can get them free. Uh, and they, they, the government will send you four, uh, two boxes with two kits each. That's four kits, uh, four tests, two kits, four kit, four tests. So you can still do that, covid.gov slash test. We are going to take a quick commercial break right here. And when we come back, uh, Julia Vaughn with Common Cause Indiana will join us. Stay with us. WTOC AM, W236CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's Community Connection. Brought to you by Child Advocates. Your voice, their future. On Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM. And we are back with Community Connection heading into our second hour. Um, and back with us, she's been away for a little while, but we're happy to have her back. And she's just in time for the municipal elections coming up on Tuesday, November 7th. Julia Vaughn, Executive Director, Common Cause Indiana. Julia, we're happy to have you back. Oh, it's good to be back, Tina. How's yeah. everything going? Everything's going well, going well. And again, um, as I we, we shared our condolences last week uh, for you and, and so very much send them again today. Um, so you're back in town. Is, is everything wrapped up and you're pretty pretty much back and back? To well, work? I'm pretty much, um, you know, still have a few details that always come around when, you know, you have mm. a death in your family. But mm. no, the services and everything, everybody got in 
from uh, out of state okay, and, got in and uh, got we back. said goodbye to mom, and, and yeah, ready to just get back to normal. Yeah, ready to get back, yeah. I, I got your text that uh, uh, you were on your way to the church and saw some of the uh, some of the old uh, spots uh, there in Madison. In case, yeah. if, if, if everyone's listening, uh, Julia and I are both from uh, Madison, Indiana, um, although... In Madison, our crowds didn't, our paths didn't cross that I know of. I think they not crossed really more directly. No, no, not I directly. I mean, you were no. you were a little bit ahead of me in school, uh-huh. but mm-hmm. um, yeah, your sister Gwen was immediately older than me, and then mm-hmm. your brother Chuck was just younger than me. So mm-hmm. I interacted much more with them. With those but, two. Um, yeah, you know, I was every time I drive down there uh, where the. Uh, nursing home that's the old hospital it has yes. taken over yeah. everything but where your oh, grandfather's goodness. shop used to be mm-hmm. uh, always always reminds me of that mm-hmm. old times you know only mm-hmm. about 50 60 years ago now but <laughs> don't say um, that julia don't say that <laughs> <laughs> not at all but yeah madison i it's the the somebody probably should do a, a report on that because the the hospital and and how they just became the hospital became a community, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, well, and it pushed a lot of people out down. Pushed there, a lot of people. Well, well, that's the community that the hospital pushed out. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the African Americans there. But anyway, uh, well, I'm glad you're back safely. And um, uh, any thoughts before we jump in here to the uh, about the upcoming municipal election? Well, yeah, we've got a couple of important deadlines coming up. Okay, uh, now Thursday. October 26th, so that's Thursday this week, Mm. is the deadline to apply to vote by mail. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to do that, you know, you need to get on it stat. And I I don't know that I would use the mail-in application this late. Um, You know, you can go to um, the city's website, the state's website, and apply for a vote-by-mail ballot online. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you do it by mail, recognize that it has got to be received by the Marion County Election Board by midnight Thursday. Mm -hmm. So you might be cutting it close. Also wanted to mention to folks who maybe have already applied for that vote-by-mail ballot and you've not received it yet, and you're starting to think, hey, what's going on? Reminder, the uh, things that you had to uh, submit this time, the information that you had to submit, is different. You know, the law changed by the General Assembly earlier this year to require folks who want to vote by mail and who are eligible. Now, let's, you know, remember that not Mm -hmm. everyone in Indiana is eligible to vote by mail. We are one of only 17 states that limits it to a particular group of people. Uh, But if you're eligible, they are now asking for your voter identification number. And this Mm -hmm. is tripping some folks up because that could be one of three numbers. It could be the last four of your social security number. It could be your driver's license number. Or it could be a random number that was assigned to you by the state several years ago when every all our voting records were um, made electronic. So I have heard uh, some stories through the grapevine that this is tripping some people up. Uh, here in Marion County, mm. uh, there's been some confusion over it. So 
if you're waiting on that vote-by-mail ballot and you think, hey, what's taking so long, you might want to call because the county election board is required to notify you if you've made a mistake on this voter identification number. But if the only way they have to contact you is the mail, you know, that could take a while. So, you know, we're really concerned that this new requirement, which is completely unnecessary, um, you know, we we don't have any problems with with fraud going on with vote by mail here in Indiana or really in any other state. Uh, But no reason for this change, but it happened. And we certainly don't want to see people tripped up and, you know, not getting their absentee ballot by mail simply because um, they didn't understand the new requirements. So uh, keep that in mind. Your voter ID number could be one of three different things. If you're not sure and you've still, you know, got to fill out your application, call the Marion County Election Board and ask them. They can tell you. Yeah. So, Julia, I'm curious if... um if they alert you to the fact or notify you uh, that there has been a mistake or needs to be a correction on your form, do you get extra time then beyond the deadline or do you st- are you still held to the no, deadline? No, you're still, you know, um, bound by this requirement that your application has to be in 12 days before Election Day. Now, if something happens and, you know, uh, Things you find you you are apply at the very last minute, and then they are unable to contact you in time. Um, they need to make some special commendations, and in fact, the law says that the county election board will have to send out traveling boards to people who get caught up and miss the deadline um, to Mm. give that voter identification number. So, you know, I feel sorry for the people down at the Marion County Election Board who are trying to implement this new requirement, because surely there are going to be people who get cut off and there's going to be a whole lot more use of the traveling board this time. And, you know, that is a difficult thing to staff. It's a difficult thing to manage. And certainly it is less convenient for the voter than a mail-in ballot, you know, have to schedule a time that in-person volunteers can come out and uh, give you your ballot. But, you know, this is unfortunately what we get with a general assembly uh, that is more concerned about making it difficult to vote than, you know, streamlining the process, ensuring that everybody has equal access to the ballot. Is there or have there been occasions where these restrictions have been relaxed or changed uh, as a result of how cumbersome and clumsy they are in terms of of just getting people access to vote? Or do you think we're stuck with it for a while? Well, I think if we can show uh, next year when the General Assembly comes back to time, town that there have been, you know, hundreds or thousands of people harmed by this, uh, then that's possible. But unfortunately, there's going to have to be people harmed this election, you know, before we have the data, the proof that this indeed wasn't a necessary change that is going to disenfranchise people. So, Mm. you know, we don't want it to have to come to that. Uh, But certainly the General Assembly has, in a few instances that I can think of in the past, made some changes to the election code that really blew up in their face. 
and they were willing to come back the next year. But, you know, it's really important if if you have problems with this, let people know. Just don't, you know, sit at your house and think, darn it, you know, I, I got caught up in this mess and I'm going to have to miss my opportunity to vote this year because of this stupid new requirement. Yeah. You know, let your local elected officials know, especially your state representative, your state senator, and let advocacy groups like Common Cause Indiana or the League of Women Voters or the NAACP know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be, you know, following up with county election boards, not just here in Marion County, but around the state to see what the impact of this law was. But certainly it is helpful if anybody who's been harmed by this, you know, raise your voice and tell our elected officials that this new law is causing more harm than doing any good. Yeah. Do you anticipate there being widespread problems? Well, I think it's going to depend on how well and how quickly mm-hmm. the election boards can respond, there you, you know, okay. uh, and certainly it depends on the volume of applications that they get. I mean, surely in the bigger counties, it is going to be a bigger problem just because of volume. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've already heard some rumblings from here in Marion County that there was confusion, that people mm-hmm. who, you know, have been filling out these applications year after year are saying, hey, hey, what's this thing about a voter ID number? You know, I'm not quite sure what that is. So, you know, Marion, Allen, Lake, those big counties, we're we're definitely going to be following up afterwards to see just how many people had trouble with this. And then, you know, it's really a burden on the county election board. So I hope that folks working in these county offices will let our legislators know that, you know, we could have spent our time helping voters, mm-hmm. you know, access the ballot rather than, you know, helping them figure out what this stupid voter identification number means. So, yeah. you know, everybody who's impacted by this, not just voters, but also those volunteers who, you know, have to work to administer the election, they're going to be overburdened by this as well. You know, I was listening to an interesting um I, I don't know, just a little mention on um, one of the 24-hour news networks that um, volunteerism, uh, voter-slash-election volunteerism has dropped significantly since, well, you know, <laughs> the... Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, since the uh, Ruby, um, Ruby and Shay, uh, yeah, since their case, uh, you know, took to the national stage and more. Um, so... I, I guess we'll we'll find out, but uh, there are no early indicators that that is the situation here. Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, I'm sorry. Um, any indication that that may be true to form here, or is it just too soon to tell? I think it is too soon to tell, but, mm-hmm. you know, we've already had problems, or, or mm-hmm. the folks who administer elections around the state already have great difficulty recruiting enough volunteers. Yeah. You know, we saw this big transition during COVID because so many of the folks who work the election as volunteers are retired people, senior citizens, who really were wary about having to, you know, work the election under a pandemic type of circumstance. So we saw a big transition there. And, you know, I think that 
we're going to see more and more people drop off who have long-term experience working the election. So we've got to replace them with somebody. So, you know, the 20 and 30-somethings have got to step up to the plate and volunteer to help out. Uh, you know, contact the Marion County Election Board. If you affiliate with a political party, uh, they always get first dibs in terms of staffing the mm-hmm. local election board. So, you know, this is something that everybody can do to help out. But clearly the harassment that is ongoing against election workers mm-hmm. across the country, and, you know, we've heard isolated incidents here in Indiana, it, it's makes it even harder to recruit the necessary number of volunteers that it Mm -hmm. takes Mm -hmm. to pull off an election. Because, you know, you need a big, big number of people uh, to staff all the vote centers here, to count absentee ballots. And so, you know, people who are doing their civic duty as Mm -hmm. volunteers performing an incredibly important role in the election, to think that they would have to face harassment and, you know, fears of of all sorts of harm being caused to them, it's disgraceful. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's got to end. I I will say that the General Assembly did do something good uh, during the session Mm -hmm. this year when it comes to election law. They did include your local poll workers as people who cannot be harassed. And if they are harassed, then, you know, a a criminal penalty can be exacted. Mm -hmm. You know, people like county clerks, the officials had been protected under Indiana law. But your, you know, normal volunteers who sign up to, to work you know, as poll workers, they hadn't been covered. So uh, we've got laws in place to deal with, you know, people who commit these bad acts. But it is just shameful that we even have to worry about that. Uh, truly, it is. And, you know, along the lines of giving the, uh, the, the General Assembly a bit of a pat on the back, I, I really love the fact that, uh, not General Assembly, but lawmakers and people that have uh, a say-so about things. I, I really um, I really like the fact that Marion County is a vote center county, you know, that we can, you know, we, we can vote wherever we want. Um, yes, they did it right here. They haven't yeah. always done it right in all of the big counties, mm-hmm. but absolutely they did it right here. And what I mean by did it right uh-huh. is most of the times when you go to a vote center uh, county situation, you greatly reduce the number of polling place options for mm-hmm. people. We didn't really do that. I mean, it's it, the number has come down a little bit, mm-hmm. but not significantly. Mm-hmm. So for most people in Marion County, mm-hmm. you can find a vote center within a five, maybe ten minute drive of your house. I know for people who don't drive and have to access public transportation, one of the requirements is they be on a bus route. Mm-hmm. So they've done it right here in Marion County. And yes, it is so much smoother. I'm telling you, the number one problem we used to deal with on election day was people showing up at the wrong polling place. Oh yes, yes. or not having that right to get there. Right. Now, guess what? You can't show up at the wrong polling place. No. So no. It, 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 yeah, vote centers are good for a lot of different reasons, but yeah. that whole. 
you know, not being tied to just one voting location. Yeah, where you're makes, assigned to vote, yeah. Yeah, um, makes it so much more convenient. And mm-hmm. again, you know, you, you can't get tripped up. That's one thing, one way to be disenfranchised that we have completely done away with here in mm-hmm. Marion County. Yeah, and I, for us. I, I sing the praises of that every time and as a positive to voting because, uh, you know, there there is always going to be someone who's like, I'm not going to vote because my vote doesn't matter and what's the point and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, you know, for those who do vote, I mean, and, and you know, we, we try to change their minds as well because we need every vote. Um, we need every, you know, we need people to participate. You know, participation is key. Um, and But anyway, I, I just try to point that up, that that is, that is golden. That is wonderful that you, no matter where you are, what point of the day. And to me, it kind of offsets the shorter voting hours that we have on election day. Um, it, you know, 6A to 6P, the, you know, some states have, you know, an hour more on each side of it. You know, maybe some even have a half hour. More. I, I don't know, but it seems like Indiana's is pretty, you know, pretty clear. So if you're waiting to get home to go some, you know, to get off work, to go somewhere where you're assigned or what have you to vote, that cuts it down. I mean, it, it just, right. it just I, yeah. neutralizes it. Yeah, so many people here, you know, work outside of the county and mm-hmm. would have to try to race to, you know, get back to their home post. Absolutely. And this mm-hmm. way you can just go to the one that's closest to you, you know, right inside Marion County. You can mm-hmm. vote close to your home, close to work, close to the gym where you work mm-hmm. out. You know, take your pick. So, As you stand, yeah, yeah wherever and you stand. a very, very good improvement. Yeah. So, so, Julia, uh, voter turnout. Uh, for uh, it's it's just dreadful for the primaries. Uh, do we do we pick up any significance in voter turnout for the municipal off-year elections? We do, but you know it's still pretty low uh, for municipal elections. They're always less than the big you know presidential mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. and even uh, smaller turnout than your off-year federal elections. So we've got a lot of room to grow. You know the thing that. I worry about this time is voter fatigue because, you know, the Mm. commercials, particularly on the Republican side, they've been running for like a year now. It seems to me, you know, it's like this this campaign started eons ago and we see it every night, you know, all of the advertisements. So I worry that people are just getting sick and tired of it and, you know, enough already. And then, you know, uh, the amount of money that's being spent on television yes. advertising, you know, when you factor that into the number of people who turn out, my goodness, you know, uh, there could be people spending hundreds of dollars per voter, you know, when you break mm-hmm. it down. So, um, yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's worrisome that mm-hmm. so few people participate. And, mm-hmm. and I don't understand it because, you know, our local government is closest to us. I mean, I certainly feel the impact of the rules and regulations and laws here in Marion County than I do, you know, state and federal law most times. So, you know, this is the the way to really have an impact on your community, on your backyard, where you live and work. And so people, you know, if you ever thought my vote doesn't matter, what the heck are you thinking? Of course it matters. And it's going to make a difference for the next four years. Politicians count numbers, and and you voting in large numbers, be it Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green Party, whatever. Numbers is what they pay attention to, and that's what moves the needle for them. 
So, you know, lower numbers, they don't have to worry about. Larger numbers, uh-oh, somebody's thinking that that well, moves. If yeah. yeah, if you've ever noticed that, hey, my neighborhood doesn't seem to be getting as much attention as X neighborhood mm-hmm, over mm-hmm. there. Well, you know what the difference probably is? X neighborhood over there votes at a much higher rate uh-huh. than you and your neighbor. So, yeah, it's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease, there right? You go. all heard that. Yes. And the best way to squeak the loudest is vote every darn election you get the opportunity to. Then you'll get attention from City Hall. That's a poster, Julia. That's a poster. (laughs) (laughs) uh, William, you have a question for Julia. Go ahead. How are you? Uh, Yes. uh, It's it's more of a comment. Okay. Okay. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. All right. For you and your guests. And and, uh, I would like to... That's the question that you know that uh, Mr. John Bartlett wanted to find a representative for the state of Indiana uh, is pulling out of the uh, political arena. Have you heard that, Julia? I had not. No. I have not either. Um, and, you know, that's why people bring it to you. Let me, you know, the, thank you for telling. I'm looking it up right now. I, ha- I had not heard that. Although I had heard that I will say this, I had heard that that may have been a possibility a little while ago, and then all of the chatter around it settled down. But I hadn't heard that he, are you sure he's, so he has actually dropped out? Oh, uh, he hasn't dropped out. Uh, last time I talked to him, he was saying that he will not be running again. Again at after? A time, okay. At a time when the uh, political government City, state, and the and the federal need strong leadership. Uh, it's a it's a nasty time for him to be dropping out. But everybody got to do what they got to do. Hmm. I um. So you say he has not yet dropped out? Well, as last time I talked to him, he said he was not going to be running again. But, uh, well, there, okay, there's a difference there. So I, that's probably why I can't find anything. But yeah, uh, okay. Um, no, I, I don't, I don't know. But I had, like I said, maybe a year or two ago, I had heard rumblings that uh, this, he may not this was a, this was a, about a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I will call him and uh, I will call him and see what he has decided, and I will talk to you again Monday. Okay. Well, thank you. Appreciate right. it. Thank you, William. Okay. Indeed. Look, yeah, certainly, you know, Representative Bartlett and all of the Democrats in the Indiana General Assembly, it just can't be much fun, you know, being part of a process that is governed by a supermajority, mm-hmm. like, you know, both the House and the Indiana Senate are. Uh, you know, Democrats just don't get bills heard. They don't, um, you know, they, they just don't have much power. So, um, certainly, his leadership is important. Uh, he's been around a long time, mm-hmm. and is you know one of the, the leaders of the delegation from here in Indianapolis. But I am certainly sympathetic that uh, members of the mm-hmm. minority are not having much fun, and mm-hmm. frankly, you know, might feel a bit like they're spinning their wheels. Yeah, indeed. So, um, anything you're looking forward to the upcoming session? I mean, what organization day is coming up? What next month? And then? Oh, it'll be yeah, November. We'll, we'll be right around the corner. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're just looking forward to playing defense once again. <laughs> um, now, I will say, you know, we have seen such a rash of resignations. You know, people leaving the House and Senate before their terms are up. 
said, I, I need to do some talking to some Republicans in a position to do something. But I have heard that there may be some appetite for perhaps uh, changing a bit the way we select the successors to people who step down. You know, right now uh, they are selected by a very small group of party insiders. There is a caucus that is held and our position is that they should be replaced with elections. It's voters who should be picking our elected officials, mm-hmm. not just a handful of party insiders. So I think it would be an uphill battle to get something like that passed into law. But it is just might be the time to start having a conversation on doing things differently. Could be. Could be. All righty. Well, Julia, I'm going to let you go. Uh, that's that's quite a bit of info you just dropped on us. So I appreciate it. Uh, your website again for folks uh, that need to know and want to look further. Sure. It is www.commoncause.org. Commoncause.org. Okay. We love it. I uh, I can't wait to hear about the further antics of Jim Lucas, as we know, the, um, the state representative that... Yeah, he had an interesting uh, challenger this time. Um, Former Republican governor's daughter will be uh, running against him if she makes it through the uh, Democratic primary, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, he's never a dull moment with that. What is her name? What's her name? Uh, Trish Whitcomb. Oh, yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, daughter of former Governor Edgar Whitcomb. Uh, Yes, yes. Republican. So, Mm -hmm. you know, good name ID anyway. Uh, Name equity like a big dog. Yeah, very much so. Uh, More so than him. And and on the positive side, I mean, he has name recognition. I think she has positive name equity. Uh, So we'll see which one of those wins out. See what uh, happens. Yeah. yeah, indeed. All righty, Julia, thank you so much. We will talk with you next time. All right. Thank you, right. Tina. Thank you. And take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we'll be back with more Community Connection right after this. Let's get back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station. And we're back with Community Connection again. Want to thank uh, Julia Vaughn. Uh, like I said, she's going to be with us about once a week, uh, all the way up to the election and maybe a week or two beyond. Uh, but but switching gears here, it is a very busy time for the Madam C.J. Walker Legacy Center. Uh, in fact, a very busy past several months. Uh, that's all good for the historic community gathering place. But what's not only good, but even better, is there is still more to come here now to share more with us on that is Christian Strickland, president of the Madam Walker Legacy Center. Congratulations, Christian. First of all, welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, congratulations on this weekend. That was big. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I feel like I was able to exhale a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what we're talking about was the unveiling of the Madam C.J. Walker Memorial Way. Uh, Can you share a little bit with listeners who may not know about it what that was? Yes. So um, about a year ago, um, Council President Bob Oakley who is also a Madam Walker Legacy Center board member, mm-hmm. had actually presented to the entire board of the Madam Walker um, the idea of designating a portion of Indiana Avenue after Madam C.J. Walker. Um, and the board unanimously voted to um, 
to lead that to lead that effort. And so over the last year, mm-hmm. um, the staff has worked um, with Councillor Oakley um, as well as all of our neighbors on Indiana Avenue to to create that designation. Um, that designation runs from Senate Avenue off of Indiana Avenue, which is exactly where the Madam Walker mural is, down to Blackbird, which is where the Urban League is. So there is a like four block um, area that is now been designated as Madam C.J. Walker Memorial Way. Yeah. And we are so excited about that. <laughs> so so I, I'll bet is a sign up. They are. They are the gorgeous. Signs are the signs up here. Uh, yes, there are gorgeous signs. Um, all is about three on each side, so a total of six um, mm-hmm. that run the same length as that designation. So you can see that it is Madam C.J. Walker Memorial Way. Um, I do want to make sure that people do understand that with the with the Memorial Way that. Um, for those buildings or those entities that are on Indiana Avenue, um, Indiana Avenue is still the actual address. And so. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it is not changed the same way that we now have a Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street, right, from many, many years ago. Oh. It is it mm. is designated, though, as a portion of the street in the same way like that Amos Brown is memorialized in front of the radio station. Uh, interesting. I never, you know what? I never thought about that distinction, really. I never mm-hmm. thought about it much at all. So, it, you know, the physical address does not change, but Correct. there is a memorial designation uh, that has been assigned to that physical That's address. That's correct. Ah, okay. Yes. So nobody has to worry about changing their address then okay that's right i got it that's that's beautiful how how long has that been in the making because you know what i I know this sounds crazy it seems like that would have been done a long time ago (laughs) i'm just saying here (laughs) yeah a lot of people have said that um you know for us it has been a year um i'm not sure if it had ever come up before or not but um you know i i do believe very strongly you know, that things happen when they are supposed to. And we're just grateful that, you know, as we have continued, it's been our focus to uplift Madam's legacy in every way that we can. And Mm -hmm. so it made absolute sense to us, you know, to do that. And because literally to the week um, that we last year in 2022, of October of 2022, um, had unveiled the madam walker mural, mural with yeah. the indianapolis arts council yeah. um it was a perfect way to be able to tie mm-hmm. to closely tie you know mm-hmm. our space mm-hmm. to that space with this designation wow does it what what are you thinking or what are your thoughts i mean you've, you've been at the helm for quite a while as they say in the big chair uh for, <laughs> for a little while now to establish yourself uh and and when you see that how much interest there there remains in her story, uh, in her life, in her history. What what goes through your mind when you hear about that? Because it seems like there's always a fresh uh, look or, or a fresh interest, I guess, so to speak, in in, in Madam. You know, it's, first of all, I'm grateful, um, you know, for it. I, I grew up here in Indianapolis, so I always had heard about Madam C.J. Walker uh-huh. um, and about the Walker Building and, like many, um, had grandparents that hung out there on the uh-huh, uh-huh. in the space, 
Um, but, you know, I think that with the movie that had come out um, mm. right during the time of COVID and then just the elevation after of just Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. of, you know, specifically after um, the death of George Floyd, where as a national community, we started to take a little bit more intentional pride in our in our places and mm-hmm. our things and wanting to preserve it and elevate it that Madam C.J. Walker um, almost has, a, you know, a renewed um, interest, mm-hmm. you know, around her um, and around and around what she has meant mm-hmm. to so many. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all kinds of documentaries now around um, black entrepreneurs, around beauty mm-hmm. that, that she's mentioned then at a right, right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I am grateful to be able to be in the position mm-hmm. to really ensure, you know, like that, not just now, but the generations that are coming behind me <clears throat> are going to also know Absolutely. Like, who she is. Yeah. Um, I, told my son that when he was there it's like this is a historical moment so Uh you know it's like when i'm long gone and 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 you're leading you know the way you can tell somebody hey i was there when this designation you know was actually unveiled and and that's a beautiful thing. Indeed, indeed. Our guest, Christian Strickland, president of the Madam Walker Legacy Center, uh, telling us about uh, the the latest and a lot more to come because there's a couple of other things I want to talk about uh, with that. But we have a, a caller, Kevin, who has a question for you, Christian. Kevin, go ahead. How are you? Hey, Tina. How you doing, Christian? I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. Hey, got a question for you. I don't know uh, what your direct involvement is with the uh, Madam C.J. Walker, but I had heard stories <laughs> about my grandmother uh, she modeled for Madam C.J. Walker, and here recently my sister found in a magazine at the airport a picture of my grandmother. She's a young lady holding a the phone. They're advertising for hair grease. And I was wondering, do you guys, is there any way I can get some kind of pictures if you guys had any old archives that maybe we could find my grandmother in? Um, so we wouldn't have those archives in our space. You may want to check with the Indianapolis um, Historical Society because okay. that's where a lot of the archives are. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, that's interesting that you don't have any, uh, the yeah, some of the, the articles and the artifacts in, in your space. That's interesting. I mean, the, well, the okay, well, the building itself is, is the history, I guess, if you will. Right, and because we moved everything to the Historical Society once we, um, when we were doing the restoration. Oh, okay. So is any of it? There used to be a museum, yeah, there used to be a museum that was downstairs, but just for protection of those things. Once the building was restored, we, we had those things either, we had a lot of those things moved. Any of them coming back, or is that the permanent home? Yes, that no. Um, there, there is some conversation um, about what and how we can highlight a lot of those things, um, as we are now just starting to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. more tours again, um, and we've gotten some dollars to do that. That you know, we want to make sure that we're giving people something other than just the building to look mm-hmm. at. 
Well, well, Christian, other than the Memorial Way, the official dedication of that last Friday and, and the, the open house and all the fun that went along with that, uh, just, just prior to that came the announcement um, that uh, Madam C.J. Walker Legacy Center is going to be setting up an endowment. Um, and that made headlines. So can you share uh, with everyone the, what's going on and, and the significance of that? Because that, that is pretty big news. Yes. Um, and, yes, it's also something we're really excited about. So when um, the madam, when we restored the building 20, in 2018 mm-hmm. through 2020, that was a part of the then strategic plan. And as everyone is you know, mostly aware that over the years, the Madam Walker, you know, has struggled. It's struggled financially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's struggled to be able to take care of itself. Having a National Historic Landmark, you know, is, is a gem, but they have to be cared for. And that takes that takes a lot of money. And so the Walker also owned two parcels on Indiana Avenue, one that was directly next door to the Madam Walker Legacy Center Mm -hmm. and one in the 500 block of Indiana Avenue. And so it was a part of that strategic plan that um, the Walker would get out of the investment management business. And that way we would be able to really and truly focus on creating um, Mm -hmm. more programming, more solid programming um, an event for the Madam Walker Legacy Center and focus on being a nonprofit and doing that well. And so over the last couple of years, um, we've had the opportunity to sell both parcels. Um, we sold one and the 500 block to Arrow Street Development, and then we recently sold the other in the 700 block to Indiana University Foundation. What that meant was with the sale of those two parcels is that the walker is now 100% debt free and we are now able to uh, take the rest of the dollars from that sale to begin to create an endowment. What that means is, is that the walker not only is debt free now, but has the ability to create um, with this endowment a way for us to be financially sustainable moving forward. And that's huge. That's huge for any nonprofit. It's definitely huge for a, a black nonprofit. That's not something that, you know, most of us are able to do. And so we are, it's all part of our new strategic plan to make sure that the Walker is financially sustainable. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't still need support and that we don't need help. But what it does mean is, is that we're trying to to make moves right now to ensure that the walkers are going to be here mm-hmm. and keeping it solid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any pushback regarding the the sale of those properties? Because I know a couple of years ago there there was. Um, no, there has been no pushback. Oh, yeah, and we are grateful for that. <laughs> I'm not going to break. I won't. Hey, I won't. Yeah. I won't poke the bear. Uh, so <laughs> that's. If that's what, Here, the, the, yeah, because at the end of the day, you know, the the it's a benefit to the Madam Walker. The Walker is in good shape now, and so um, you know we were intentional. I will say that it's like we were intentional about who you know who we sold to, so that we can ensure that they like us would still be community minded. But 
our goal is to save the man Walker, and that's what we've done. Absolutely. So uh, how are we going to wrap up the 2023, and what do we have to look forward to for 2024? <laughs> yes, so... <laughs> there's more. I know there's more. <laughs> there's always more. <laughs> there's always more. <laughs> there's always more, um, and that is a great thing. So now um, we, um, we're we getting ready for our holiday on the app. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have our... It's an annual program that we've um, been doing the last couple of years, and so over throughout the month of December, there are a couple of events. Uh, we'll have uh, Rodney Steps. Um, in concert, we also have a um, celebration of the 50th anniversary of hip hop mm-hmm. um, with a hip hop holiday show with Dougie Fresh, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll also have our Black Santa event. And then um, we are working. Yeah, we know about Black Santa a little bit. Yeah, yes, yes, you do. This <laughs> is a great partnership we've done with you with Radio One for a long time. Yeah, we love Black Santa. Yeah, and then getting ready for 2024, we are. Um, one of the venues um, for the All-Star, um, All-Star game. Mm-hmm. And so um, we have been getting a lot of requests and um, we'll hopefully before the end of the year be able to start promoting, you know, what those particular events are. And then, you know, just getting ready for the rest of, of 24. So so the Walker uh, will be involved, as will so many other yeah. of our, our our institutions. And that's that's great to know that the Walker is going to be involved in the 2024 All-Star festivities. That's that's fantastic. Yes. Um, and then finally, the, um, the Cultural Trail, which is um, coming right directly um, in front of the Madam Walker, is scheduled to, the construction pieces of it is scheduled to be completed um, by the end of this year. And then um, I believe there will be some other pieces that will happen in 2024. But um, we'll be excited to have that complete. Um, mm-hmm. And there will be a lot of really cool things that will come from there. So you're going to be able to exhale? Again, yes. I'm waiting. <laughs> okay, you wait. Christian, thank you so much. Congratulations on all of the accomplishments. The endowment is absolutely exciting. Uh, the the uh, the markers for the Madam C. J. Walker Memorial Way. That's that's just that's just great. That's heartwarming. And you say there are four of them. Uh, there are six. Six. I'm sorry. Where did I get yeah. four? There are six <laughs> in, in place. All right. And the website for anybody that wants to know more. Yes, it's MadamWalkerLegacyCenter.com. MadamWalkerLegacyCenter.com. I got it right here. All righty. Thank you, Christian. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll be talking with you. I'm sure we will be talking again before the end of the oh, year. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you. Take uh, care. You too. Bye-bye. And, and again, um, a, a quick reminder, early voting is now underway. Uh, Julia Vaughn gave you a couple of deadlines um, about the, the 26th and being the deadline to get your uh, your mail-in vote applications in. Uh, but early voting is still underway at the uh, CC City County Building, 200 East Washington Street. Uh, Coming up this weekend, this weekend coming up, early voting is going to expand to eight other satellite sites here in Marion County. Uh, And they're going to be available from 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. through Monday, uh, November the 6th. Um, But again, if you want to vote early right now, today, as we speak, uh, head down to the City County Building, 200 uh, East Washington Street. The CCB is open weekdays, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., uh, as well as weekends, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. So, um, and then on November 6th, of course, CCB is only going to be open for early voting from 8 a.m. Uh, until 
noon. Uh, if you live outside of Marion County, go to our website, praiseindy.com. We've got several, several locations, times, dates, uh, and things of that nature for you to uh, to look up. Uh, but it's, I think it's safe to say that it, most of it, Marion County and most of the Donut County's early voting is underway, I think with the exception of maybe one, uh, and that'll be underway in another day or two. But be that as it may, vote.indy.gov. If you're right here in Indianapolis and Marion County, indianavoters.in.gov uh, for uh, elsewhere. Uh, questions, uh, especially if you don't use uh, computers and aren't comfortable with such, uh, Indiana Election Board is always available to you during regular business hours, Monday through Friday. That number is 317-327-5100. Again, 317-327-5100. That is all the time we have for right now for Community Connection. We are always praise, AM 1310 and 95.1 FM, Indy's inspiration. Don't forget about our website, praiseindy.com. Everything's on there. Sky does a great job. Willie Moore Jr. on the radio is up next. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll talk again tomorrow. Until then, be safe, be well. I'm Tina Cosby, and this is Community Connection.